Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the trailer transpose story with my friend, Brittany Trailer. How's it going, Brittany? Pretty good, Joe. How are you? Very, very good. Please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Well, we're based here out of Dallas, Texas, and my name is Brittany Trailer, and I'm the CEO of Trailer Transpo. Wait, which so it's is Trailer um, Transpo, not Trailer Transportation, not Transport. Why Transpo? Pretty simple. That was the only name that was left. Transport is already <laughs> gone. So uh, the interweb decided what your name would be. Kinda. What's well, it's catchy. Well, anyway, I'm looking very forward to talking to you, Brittany. You've got a great story, but I think also you talk. We'll talk a lot about power only, and that's I know that's what your company specializes. In. And I think that's unique. And I think there's you know I think we're all looking for the, the niches in this business because and you know there's the old saying the. The riches are in the niches, and I hope they are for you. But not everybody does that power only, and I think you'll, you'll explain why we should consider that, uh, consider that a pretty interesting space. So anyway, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about Trailer Transpo. When did you start the company? Well, first off, tell us a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? Give us a little bit of background. Well, I grew up in Germany, and there our schools are a little bit structured different. So I went to something that's like a Gesamtschule. So pretty similar to a high school. I won't repeat that. (laughs) (laughs) So you had American parents, but you were born in Germany. Right, right, right. Yeah. So you had American citizenship your whole life, but you grew up in Germany, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I grew up in Germany. Actually, I grew up in the foster care system since probably from 10 to kind of when I aged out at 18. And that was kind of a difficult time for me to really just, you know, what direction do I kind of want to go with my life? And then after kind of like a year of wandering and trying to just really figuring it out, that's when I decided, uh, let me go to America and uh, let me change my life and see what opportunities. Have you ever been here? Before that, I was here in first grade in San Antonio, actually. I can't remember it, but I do remember being here and then going back to Germany as a child. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's a tough upbringing. And, you know, you mentioned going through that foster care, which I know had to be very difficult. But what I think is also crazy is... Any of us who've had kids, mine are older now, but you realize how young 18 is. And one of my daughters said, you're not really an adult till you can pay your own bills. So I remember um, she was 22 and we had a disagreement about a cat that she needed to adopt while in college. And I said, we ain't adopting that cat. I go, I love you to death, but I won't pay you another penny (laughs) if you adopt a cat because you don't need it. You're going to Europe this summer. You're having an internship. No way. And she's like, well, I'm an adult. And I go, yeah, that's why you can make your own call. And she goes, but I need your money. <laughs> and and most 18-year-olds are just like that. So you right, right. are all of a sudden, at, you know, probably feeling less than well-equipped at 18. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A little bit more guidance. So what did you do when you moved here? Well, first off, when you moved here, what was your first feeling about the U.S.? I know you've seen us on TV, not me specifically better looking people. It was always cool, you know. (laughs) But uh, when I came here, yeah, you know, the first thing I noticed, all the cars are a little slower on the highway. So that was the first thing. Oh, yeah, we don't have that Autobahn. 
Right. <laughs> and then I guess once I kind of got off that drive and got home to, you know, my grandparents and my dad that I really met for the second time in my life at that point. So yeah, I was a little bit terrified, a lot of emotions, you know, I'm in a culture, you know, that's very different from Germany. I mean, everything from, from the cultural aspect, from how everything looks here, you know, from a physical, yeah, aesthetic aspect. Germany looks look very different than here. Yeah. And then just that melting pot, you know, we don't have that in Germany, that melting pot of different cultures and people. So it was very exciting, but it was definitely terrifying at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So where did you live when you moved here? North Carolina. Okay. So why did you pick North Carolina? That's where my dad stays. So what did you do? What was, what was the plan? You got here, you said, oh, I love I it no here. Plan. Now what? <laughs> yeah, that was my plan. That's as much as I got it through. I came, so from, I like, came for the American dream. Uh, where do I pick it up? Right. <laughs> yeah. Then I started uh, working. You know, my, my English was not that profound yet. I could definitely converse enough to kind of get my point across. I'm hungry. Hey, I want to go somewhere. But not really to have oh, a yeah, real you, you, If you're in the foster care system, they most of those people would speak German to you, right? Right. In school now, of course, in school, we would learn, you know, the Oxford English. But, you know, I think everybody don't learn the language in school and pr pretty much doesn't know any Spanish anymore, you know? <laughs> I hardly learned the English language in school. <laughs> not from here. So what did you decide to do? What were you going to do when you got here? So my first job was... Rolling burritos at Welcome to Moe's. Could be nothing so more American than burritos. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and that kind of helped me a lot with just my language skills, you know, and just conversing and things of that nature. So after I did that for a while, I came to Texas to meet my other side of the family here for a long time. And then I started being a CO and that really wasn't really fulfillment. fulfilling. Wait, wait, what's a CO? Oh, a correctional officer. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, and actually, yeah. At one of the worst prisons here, actually, in Texas, they call it the gladiator unit. Uh, is that male or female? Male. High oh, no. Male. Brittany, I get scared thinking of going to a prison like that. It was <laughs> exciting. It was a little scary, but it was actually exciting, to be honest with you. I had a lot of fun, and I learned a lot. And um, I Wait, think so you had fun at the prison every day. <laughs> actually did because I was one of the people that was on a team. So, you know, when something uh, escalates in the penitentiary, they call kind of like a five-man team to calm the situation down. You know, I was just action-driven, you know, I was excitement and all that. So yeah, I was part of that team. And yeah, that, I would that suggest, I, I would, I don't know too much about it, but I would say that if you're in that kind of environment, you have to learn really good communication leadership Absolutely. skills because- I think if they sense that you're a pushover or that they sense I can get away with more or uh, they sense that you have it in for them, it ain't going to go well. It's a healthy balance. You know, you got to respect that they live there. And nine times out of 10, 70% of the people in the unit that I worked at, they had life. And 70% of those no people way. that had life were 27 or below. So how do you manage young young emotional individuals that really don't have no outlook? And so, you know, it's that healthy balance of, hey, I respect that, you're, that you live here and you respect that I work here. God bless you. So how long were you a CEO? Two to three years I did that. But then, you know, 
I noticed a lot more in criminal justice that I really didn't just really want to be a part of long term. And I'm like, okay, I just really got to <laughs> blame you there. You know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I've always was opportunity driven how, you know, growing up in a foster system, I think that made a lot of my foundational characteristics in how do I pr provide opportunities to people? And I always wanted knew that I wanted to change, but I really didn't have something to grasp or to hold on a kind of like an industry to get into. So um, my uncle came to America and started driving trucks, posting a whole bunch of- And is he a German? Yes, yes, yes. Well, he's American, you know, grew up, his dad was in the military. So my grandpa was in the military. So yeah, he's a uh, full American. And he, uh, he always dreamt of driving trucks. And I never understood that. Why would you want to drive trucks? Like, what is so exciting about that? You know, he, as he started sending pictures and, you know, just kind of let me be part of his journey, that's when I kind of got really, you know, into, enthusiastic about so, it. So you became a truck driver? Yeah, shortly, actually after him, probably maybe like a half a year. I'm like, you know what? Okay. Your paychecks look good too. Let me go ahead and start that. So tell me a little bit about driving. How long did you drive for? And did you drive uh, for others or for yourself? How'd that work? Well, in the beginning, I start. I went to school uh, for Swift in Salt Lake City in November. The worst time to start learning how to drive trucks in the winter time, which was actually pretty, the best time to me because I had a trainer there with me for that first period of time that could really, you know, let me know how to improve my skills and things of that nature. But I drove for Swift like on a Dollar Tree account. So what that is is physically. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody unload at a Dollar Tree, but as a driver, you have to physically pick up every single package. And we're talking about 4,000 packages. Oh, so you have to, you have to live unload and it's you? Yes, with my bare hands. 40,000 pounds, three times. Does the week. store help? They're supposed to. Oh, <laughs> but not really. that's, that's a workout. Yeah, that was a workout. That was a workout. So how long So how long you worked with Swift? I did that for six months before I was came to my breaking point. Like, I can't do this. This is a lot at 100 A lot degrees. of drivers won't do that. Well, I shouldn't say that. A lot of drivers prefer not to get accounts like that, right? Yes, but it is the one account as a new driver where you can come home more often. So that's, the, that's how they get you. You want to come home and you don't want to go OTR? Well, then you have to do physical work. Yep. And, and, and what is OTR for those who aren't drivers? Over the road. So what was next? After that, I went into the oil field, hauling sand. So I did that for probably like a year, then elevated to that from flatbed, started self-dispatching myself, learning a little bit more about the industry. What do you mean when you self-dispatching? So did you get your own truck? No, I was a lease driver, actually. Okay, so you're leasing? The started from the bottom pole, yeah, from the driver to a lease driver to owner-operator and to my own business. So when you say dispatching yourself, explain how that works. With a headset while you're driving or before you're driving, looking at the load board on your phone and just making those calls and trying to secure a good load to a destination where you can get a good load from. So that's when, you know, I had to balance between business and just trucking itself. So you make more money doing it that way, I take it? In that moment, not necessarily. I gained the experience, <laughs> you know, so... In the beginning, I was... You get experience when you don't get paid. You don't hear Bill yeah. Gates talking about his 40 years of business experience. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the first four years of my journey was really just collecting experience. So, you became an owner-operator? How many trucks did you get? Just one with me. Yeah. Okay. So, you so you started Trailer Transpo as an owner-operator, or didn't you call yourself that yet? 
not yet. I was really a lease driver when I started Trailer Transport still. That was in 2018. I didn't really launch my business to the next level until 2020. It's a great time to start a trucking business. I mean, it, I, I'm being a little facetious because it was COVID, but right, right, plenty right. of biz. To that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your journey here at Trailer Transpo from owner-operator to becoming a broker. When COVID started, anything that was construction and open deck, flatbed, what I'm used to hauling, kind of went all downhill due to COVID, you know? So um, I still wanted to be part of the industry, but not anymore. So opening that niche. So I'm like, okay, let's just start being brokers. We already know how to dispatch ourselves. So um, I bought me a course, got me some Facebook ads together and put that out there and just started interviewing people and started YouTubing. How do I interview people? (laughs) That's kind of how I started. (laughs) And uh, yeah. Well, given your background, you have to be, I'm I'm just guessing, I'm just from our, we've talked a lot offline is this whole idea of resilience and figuring it out on your own. And, you know, I I joke about this, but it's really no joke. When you go off to college, they train, you're going to college because you're going to go get a job typically. And the, you know, and then they want you to have that college degree, and then you go somewhere, and they say, "Hey, we've got this process. We need you to follow it. Do this, 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 this." And the, and I've I've been in and out of my own business a number of times. I'm here to stay now. And what's crazy though is the longer you spend in, in an environment with a great team, you know, as an, as and you're getting that salary, and the salary goes up every year, and you get used to the the creature comforts. It's scary to have to leave that because you basically have 12 years of school where you kind of follow directions, you get rewarded for it. And then you go to college, you follow directions, get rewarded for it. And then you get a job, follow directions. And then one day you go, where's those directions coming from? Well, at Trailer Transpo, it's you. (laughs) Nobody's giving you instructions, but you were used to that. You had to do your own direction for a while. That's, yeah, yeah. I I haven't really even looked at it like that, but that is very true. And, you know, throughout that process, if I didn't know anything, I did know that I need to get information and that I need to stay educated. So what I would do through that entire time while I was on the road, I kind of built my truck into a mini university, listen to Audible nonstop, read books. Oh, I'm a huge Audible freak. I'm always listening to two or three Audible books. I love it. Yeah, because it's a car ride and you can already, you know. Get that mental stimulation with a good book. So how long did you drive for? For a year as your own truck? Five years. So where'd you go? What was? You, what were you moving? What kind of truck? I mean, what kind of freight? When I was driving myself, I started off with sand, then with general goods, then with open deck. So anything that's flatbed, step deck, anything construction driven. That's harder. And then with, yeah, yeah, but that you was... You got to make sure nothing falls off. <laughs> yeah, I, I was always the type of person that seeks a challenge. I kind of never, I guess, wanted it easy. I'm not really sure. But I always loved the challenge in things. And um, Step Deck uh, was very, very interesting. Going to different oil fields, going to different, you know, mines, things of that nature. Unloading these huge tractors. It's just, you know, something cool to do, to be honest. Have you been to virtually every state now? Yes. (laughs) I've I've been here, like, my whole life. (laughs) I haven't seen all the states. Even here, like, what, 10 years? (laughs) seen it from a fishbowl but i have seen it yeah you've driven through (laughs) anyway so you guys specialize in power only 
when we talked right. about that before we hit record. Explain what is power only for those. Not everybody listening to my podcast necessarily over the road, guys. So what is power only? So power only is the mode that you as a carrier or broker provide the tractor itself and that the shipper has its own trailers that they have the opportunity to load and unload on their own time. Meaning that when we send a driver out there, that trailer, however that trailer is, it can be a flatbed trailer, can be a container, doesn't necessarily mean that the trailer has to be a specific mode. The point is that the trailer is loaded and that when we send our guys out there, it's ready to drop and hook. Yeah. Yeah. And that drop and hook, what do you mean by that? Drop and hook is essentially that every piece is ready and that when we come, we just hook up to the load, bring it to the receiver and drop it. So no live loading and unloading. Yeah. And so that live unload or live loading where they, you know, where you pull your truck, trailer there and they load it up and you're waiting a half an hour, an hour while they load it. Maybe more. Yeah. And waiting in line to be loaded. <laughs> and right. 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 <laughs> and I know we, we talked about this while we were prepping is when we had the ELD, a mandate a few years back. Remember how we were so freaked out about ELD? Oh man, we talked about that a lot. And I think it was a big adjustment for people. But one of the things that gave us, first off, all the visibility, because now we've got those the, the code in inside the ELD so we can track. But I think it um, made drop and hook more attractive because we started realizing we got to keep these drivers driving and not waiting, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah, that limited us as drivers, definitely uh, fit, trying to figure out how to adjust to that. And from a business perspective, you're absolutely right, Joe. I mean every person, every party in that transaction, rather that's me as a broker or as a dispatcher, the driver itself or the shipper just has maximum efficiency when we stay in that drop and hook mode. Yeah. And I know I've done some of this in the past. And I remember the advantage for like the uh, shipper is they might load that trailer over a week period. And, you know, you might have, have to have a few trailers, you know, for drop and hook, you do have to invest in trailers, but that's, that's a better deal for them because they don't want to do the live unload. I mean, the live load, they say, Hey, we're going to yeah. make this, or we're going to, we're going to wrap this up and load it as, as we go. And then for the, you know, for the, for when you're dropping it off, they don't have to unload right now. They don't have to move. Everybody doesn't have to move. They can say, we're going to schedule the, you know, the time for us to unload that trailer. And I think that's where it is so much efficiencies from so many standpoints, but definitely from operational standpoints, when we're uh, facing all these staffing issues and these staffing challenges, especially in warehouses right now, and they're still trying to figure out with, you know, robotics and things, artificial intelligence, kind of how to solve that. But until we do solve that, you know, being able to load and unload on your terms and having more trailers there just um, makes it a little bit more cost efficient because now you're not having any type of accessorials that you're having to pay that carrier slash broker in that instance. And then also from the carrier aspect, you only have 11 hours in a day, you know, you can do about, I would say, 500 to 550 for the average, you know, 65 miles an hour truck. That's about how much you can do a day. So um, if we kind of want to keep the goods moving in America, you know, and keep them con consistently moving and don't get that held up, then power only is the only way. Yeah. Well, I do know, and I'm going to forget 
I might I might screw up this detail, but there's a company called Baton IO, and my friend Eric Moline worked there. Works there, and I think they just got bought by Ryder. And what Baton IO was doing was, let's just say you're a driver and you would drive to Los Angeles. And Los Angeles, large metropolitan area, obviously. You would drive to a, a station or DC, whatever you want to call it, pickup point, and drop off your trailer and pick up another one. And let's just say it's 50 miles outside of LA. And then they would do the local transportation. And the advantage of that is you have local knowledge after a while. So the same, you know, same drivers, the local drivers are saying, I drop, I pick up over here and I drop here three days a week. So I understand that. So they get that account account familiarity. I knew I could say it. And the driver, uh, you know, the, I'll call it the long haul. He just says, Hey, it's great. I drive outside LA. I drop, I drop. I pick up another trailer, I'm back on the road. And then they can plan their days. And again, I think one of the real challenges we have in the space is what we do to the drivers, where they're missing they're missing their next load, they're missing anniversaries, they're missing kids' games. And part of it is because we so it's not easy, you know, planning out production and distribution activities. So if you can get it to the point where they say, I'll pick it up when I get there and I'll, I'll I don't have to wait. Now their life is more predictable. And I think if if I was driving, first off, it would kill me. But if I was driving, I would want predictability. I would want to say, I know I can pick up. And by the way, another thing I would like is saying, I don't want to drive to LA. Or I want to drive 50 miles outside LA, then I want to drop, and then I want to get right back out, <laughs> back on the open road. So you guys, what, what percentage of your business is power only? 95%. Really? So you have a huge, and well, I shouldn't say this, you have a lot of companies that uh, carriers that specialize in that right yeah and especially you know the market kind of of course i have a lot of open deck knowledge and that's one of our other niches but the market really determined and kind of pushed us more into that power only frame as we was going through covid all those shortages that impacted all these small carriers being able to obtain carriers, I mean, being able to obtain trailers. So now you have a humongous volume of carriers that just has power and no trailers. Right, right. I want to switch gears on you a little bit here, Brittany. So before we, when we were prepping, we talked a lot about uh, technology. And you said, you know, coming from the driver perspective, you understand how nice it is to have the the tech that, that, makes your life easier, right? Connect. Right. And you don't want to get a whole bunch of check calls. You don't want to get a whole bunch of, uh, you know, hey, when somebody says I have full visibility because I call that, I call Brittany on her phone while she's driving, <laughs> while she's driving this moving weapon. We don't want that anymore. And so, and you said to me something that was interesting. said, I want my carriers and I want my shippers that you serve both. I want them to have the big boy experience in terms of technology. So talk a little bit about that, the the experience and technology that you're looking for and why what you're doing. So what we're doing right now and the softwares that we have implemented is really bringing everybody to, to the same platform. A lot of times the issues that we have is as a drivers, we download MacroPoint or we download whatever app that the broker assists us, and then we still getting check calls. And then we're still getting calls on top of that from the shipper because those two parties are not uh, communicating. So now being able to be asset, be an asset-based brokerage, we're able to kind of 
supply visibility to all partners that are part of that transactions. So the driver, the broker, the agent, the dispatcher, and the shipper, how many ever hands are in between and managing that everybody has the same platform visibility from A to Z. Right. What, 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 if you don't mind, what tech? What tech are you using? Oh, it's like we're using, oh yeah, we're using Turbo right now. Oh, fantastic. I know, I know those guys well. And you know what's nice is, and I'm going to draw a name, blank on the name now. One of the Turbo guys that were on my podcast said, it's not just visibility. Everybody says visibility. It almost became a meaningless word because we all use it so much. And I, and what I'll say is there is a spectrum of visibility. The old-fashioned, um, when I was still selling logistics services, we said we get visibility. We had EDI and check calls, <laughs> right? And then there's the other – on the other end, there's the the turbo end, which I'll, I'll throw – they're not the only ones, but they're on that far end, the cutting edge. And what's nice, visibility is good. But being able to collaborate and get everybody on that same platform so you can change stuff around is what we need. So, if, you know, I don't want to just say I'm watching a slow motion train crash here. I don't want that. I want to be able to jump in and say, hey, are you running late? You know, because or, or I am running late. Let me let me make some adjustments and without a phone call. No, absolutely. Now that visibility, of course, as we're all looking at that same dashboard, we have the opportunity to message each other individually pertaining to that specific load. So now we're just not also messaging in one email with, okay, what load are you talking about? Or what load are you meaning? Or what BOL did you send in? No, this is not the correct BOL. We're able to keep those messages specifically for that specific load and have kind of like, yeah, visibility tops 10, I guess, when it comes to communication and to really, okay, what are what piece are you talking about? If that means there is there is a lot of transportation management systems and and a lot of them are very good, but one of the challenges I think is some of them are cost a small fortune and then take an implementation team and then then you got to hire a guy who's full time making updates changing things and and that doesn't fit for the small smaller companies, but you can't grow without having transportation management system in this era. And I think also, we're, I joke, joke about this, but consumer technology has spoiled us. So if you go to work and somebody says, hey, you got to go to four screens to get this done, you're like, wait a sec, I, I track my Amazon stuff, I buy pizzas with my this app. We won't work with clunky, we won't work with things that are non-intuitive. So it's, it's, yes, it's, it's something you need, and, and Turbo and others... They're the they're built on the modern platform. They're built like consumer tech, and that's that's what I need. Yeah, especially with onboarding, and you kind of just made that point there, right there, Joe. Um, especially with onboarding, how do I grow this business? Not just growing my customer base and growing my carrier base. I also need agents to assist me to be able to manage that volume. So that was for a big piece that first year. I think the most complex piece on onboarding because we didn't have the right TMS and we really didn't have the right software. And now this year being able to go to that Freight Waves event and kind of seeing all these texts and, you know, that's where I kind of met Turvo and being able to really dive into that, that has made my onboarding, I mean, that has really changed the game for me because I focus on hiring individuals. It's 50-50 kind of hire people and, um, 50% of those people do come from workforce or other programs that I'm kind of working with. 
to give wait what is workforce opportunities so that's the texas workforce here i kind of specialize in hiring individuals that don't have college background and things of that nature and really implementing those skills and teaching them and being a part of um, here our team that has worked out very well so far but Torvo and just having that onboarding and having that Torvo Academy. So I don't just have to, you know, give that presentation <laughs> every day. There's an actual academy where they can learn. That has been definitely a game oh, changer. Oh, Torvo has that? So is that like an online thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. So now I don't have to give classes. I can just, you know, see, okay, what have you completed? What have you have issues I with? I haven't seen and- that. I got a Turvo demo years ago, but I should ask. Yeah, that. pretty cool, actually. So, yeah. I'll, I'll put a link to it. One of the things I was going to say is I think the the people currently in their 20s, 30s, they grew up with the technology. And so even if they're brand new to trucking and transportation, logistics, whatever, they, their expectation is I'm going to have technology. I have technology everywhere else in my life. When I went to school, I did it. When I book hotels, I do it. They're not going to, I don't think most of them are going to be real open to the idea that there's no technology. And I think getting back to it has to be intuitive consumer grade tech. And what I mean consumer grade is just the same look and feel intuitiveness where you say, this is a cool experience, a tech enabled experience like we get with Amazon. And that's the, that's the table stakes now. I don't think you can grow uh, your business like you want unless you have that. And because the big boys are offering it. And absolutely. Yeah. And so you were offering something. And, and so you mentioned that you've got the uh, kind of a mission of the company mission that is to bring in people who are called non traditional, you know, guys who might not have an opportunity, guys and gals who might not have an opportunity in the space. Absolutely. I like it. It makes you, it makes you, it sets you guys apart. So what, uh, one other thing I want to say about technology, I had Don, my friend Don Salvucci Favier, and she's at a company called Green Screens and they make dynamic pricing. And what's interesting, she was on my podcast and she said she worked for a lot of technology companies in the past. And she said, we used to, as a TMS say, we have to do these six, seven, eight features or functions really well because this is a standalone system. And now companies like Turbo say, we have a really great TMS. That's all you need. But if you want to connect to a load board, you can. If you want to connect to green screen dynamic pricing, you can. There are all these new killer apps and you don't want to have to go. That's what it is. It's an app. And that is the biggest thing. A lot of these older TMSs are server-based. Right. So and the people I hire and, and just the world that we're living in, I've always dreamed about having a job where I can be anywhere and still do my job. But with a server-based software to do my job, I can't do my job. So uh, making that transition and now my agent, while she's picking up her kids or while she's you know watching a kid's function, it's maybe a little bit dramatic, but yeah, she can still dispatch and she still has her iPad and phone with her and we're getting kind of away from that computer based and really a laptop. So a lot of people don't even have laptops, you know, that iPad or that tablet and that phone is that thing. So how can we work all with, you know, the devices that we really day-to-day use? You know, there's a labor shortage and it's not going to get better. Uh, as my generation, I'm the one of the last baby boomers. As we go away, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not going anywhere, but as we go away, 
the generation younger than us, there's going to be a gap. And you're not going to be able to convince young people or even old people to come in and work at a tech now with a company that doesn't have tech. And you're not going to be, they're like, why am I making all these damn phone calls? Why can't there, why can't we get an app for that? (laughs) So, yeah. And it reminds me uh, years ago when I was still working at 3PL, our TMS went down very, very solid, very good system, but it did go down. And I remember all my people just kind of working around. They're using, they're using all these other apps. Like, and I was like, what are you doing? I thought our system was down. They're like, well, yeah, I'm hitting these guys up through messaging. And I was like, what messaging? And so if you don't have a TMS, they're going to start using other systems. I mean, that's, that's, that's how we live today. Anyway, so we talked about what you specialize, which is power only, which I love it. We talked about your background. We talked about a little bit about tech so you can give your, your partners, your carriers, and your shippers that cool experience. Brittany, I want to switch gears for, for a minute here. So I know you guys have been growing like a weed. And before, when we were prepping, we were talking the last few days, you mentioned what it takes to grow a company and but building the right culture and all that. But talk, you had some interesting insights and uh, share some of those insights, what it takes and your experience with growing your biz. That's a good question. Predominantly, it takes self-growth. It's a constant to build a company and to build a culture. You are the company. You are the culture as an individual. And your company is not going to grow more than you're going to allow yourself to grow as an individual and as a person. And I believe, you know, that's a lot of times we don't talk about it enough. You know, Uh, yeah, you can be the, the expert in the industry. Yes, you can be the best trucker. Yes, you can perfect your trade and your craft, but that doesn't necessarily equate to knowing or understanding how to lead and grow a business and really work through those personal challenges and those weaknesses. Yeah. Oh, and that's so true. It's it's funny. I'm a small business owner myself. And I'll tell you, you're always uh, confronted with your own weaknesses. And I would also say the anxiety and the fear that always is just kind of, I've I said to somebody the other day, I go, overcoming your anxiety is what life is. <laughs> that's, that is mostly what we do. <laughs> we worry about stuff that probably isn't going to happen our whole life. <laughs> and right. getting outside of your head and growing and becoming a leader. And you, and every year it's probably harder because the, there's more people to lead. And uh, so you also mentioned you, you're bringing people in from uh, workforce. What makes those people different different and hopefully better for your company? Different and better, I would say it's the that's my reward. That's my personal reward to be able to uplift others and just to install leadership in other people. So I get a personal reward out of that. But from a business perspectiveness, those individuals so far to, from my experience of building this company, I have team members that are 110% loyal, that are 110% dedicated. You took a chance on them. Right. They treat my business as if it was their business. Every every single individual staff member. Um, nobody gets treated like an employee, more so as a partner and just a you know regular person. We don't have that leadership by position where, hey, I'm the boss and, and, and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, it's just that commitment and that dedication. I would say that definitely sets me apart. There's a there's a bakery not far from where I live, and they 
I think years ago they were struggling to hire people at the bakery and they started hiring people who were coming out of prison. And what they found is a lot of those guys and gals felt like I don't have as many opportunities. And so same thing when they got there, they're like, Hey, this, this, this bakery took a chance on me and they got like long-term employees and they make the best bake. That's one of the best baked goods also. And, and, and again, they're part of something. And, you know, everybody on my podcast, when I talk to a lot of people about their businesses and all of them are interested in building the right culture. All of them are interested in having people, you know, all in. But do you get treated like an employee? Do I, you know, do you get treated the way you want to be treated? That's not everybody's, not everybody's doing it right. Or we wouldn't have people always bolting for the next job. And, and by the way, sometimes growth comes with having to move to the next company. So it's not, turnover isn't the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. Building the right culture and, and investing in your people to, you know, that meant, that mentality, um, that's very time consuming. So making that time as a business owner to prioritize that, you know, with team meetings, daily team meetings, weekly team meetings, letting people know not just, hey, where do you stand, but where do we as a company stand? And what do we need to do as a team to really grow this to the next level? Excellent. Excellent. Well, Brittany, thank you so much. I've got a few final questions here for you. So first off, before we go, um, what's next for you? What's next for Trailer Transpo? And that's Transpo, not Transport. And then what's next kind of for the the industry as you see it, kind of this, as I'll, I'll say the power only? Well, the phase that we're in right now is definitely growth and adding more customers to our base. So we're looking for more um, customers in the scrap metal industry and just- That's your, stick- one of the niches you work in? Yes, yes. That's one of our bigger niches where we stay in with power only. So that's definitely um, priority. Um, Long-term, our goal is um, aviation. Right now, I'm going to um, drone pilot school, so to say. No way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kind of halfway through, I still got the other half to go. So in a couple of months, hopefully I have that completed. How much can it lift, say, the drones that you're learning to pilot? I believe between 250 to 300 pounds. So I'm in I'm in Michigan. You're in Texas. Can you send something from Texas to Michigan? I'm not really sure if how far uh, each individual drone uh, can go. I guess that changes kind of from um, what type of drone you're actually purchasing. Just like they have different trucks and different car models and things of that nature. Of course, they have different drones and things. That's crazy. So when you're piloting them, how far away do they go? Um, right now, I know that Amazon in California is doing it locally within a, I believe, 50-mile radius. So you could potentially go further than that, but I believe everybody well, right now- Well, that's just beginning, right? Testing, right. It's still in that testing trial and seeing how we can do things. Brittany, I, I know we had this conversation before, before we were recording, but I am always wondering how this drone thing is going to work. And I, I, at what, this one minute, I'm still just a little- Skeptical. And there, I know it's going to have applications, but I'm interested in what those applications will be. So if I live on an island, very, very small use case. <laughs> the, the lake I used to live on, there was people who lived on an island and I used to always drive by that island and go, how the hell is this working out for these people? They were never there. But um, I get that. I get remote areas. But what I don't get is, I just went for a walk before we hit record. So I was walking around the lake, beautiful day. I just can't imagine like 50 drones flying by me delivering stuff. 
by the way, you ever see those guys with the leaf blowers, the air blowers? Yeah. Do you, do you want to kill them? <laughs> or at least their machine? I mean, they're horrible. And they banned them a lot of places. And I swear we should put a bounty, not on the person using it, but on the machines. So damn noisy. I can't imagine going for a nice walk on a nice day and seeing dozens of drones overhead. Again, you're, and if, imagine being in New York City or Dallas, and then you, you're going to work, and there is the sky is dark with drones delivering stuff. I just, we're gonna have to figure it out. I can see it working. I just don't know yet, though. Yeah, I believe you know we're you know I'm, of course I'm a millennial. All the Gen Zs that are under me, I think we're exposed to so many different things that to us it's more of a sense of normality, of course, than to comparing those few generations that are in between us. So yeah, for, yeah. I'm in, I'm in Michigan. And if you go out of the Detroit, well, first off, you're in the Detroit area. Drones are going to get shot out of the sky. There's no way around it. Now, as soon as you move to the outer suburbs of Detroit, where the hunting begins and all up North is hunting, those things are coming down. <laughs> There's no way around. And not even for the goods, just for the challenge. Hey, I shot, shot, a, shot two ducks and a drone. <laughs> I mean, you can fly about two thousand feet in the in, in in the in the air with the with those drones. Oh yeah, that means you'd have to be a good shot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking forward. We'll fig we'll figure it out. There'll be there'll be the right applications for it. I'm just I'm just curious because it's going to become a management. How do we manage so we don't have a freak show? You know, where you just say it was a beautiful day except for the seven hundred drones flying above me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so so you guys are going to get into some more of that that kind of delivery at some point. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're realizing that thing people want things faster. That's a period behind that. So how can we deliver things to people faster? So I believe overall transportation is going to go in the air more and more and more in different ways, whether that be with I talked to this one founder actually when I was at the Freight Waves conference. He invented a what did he call it? a a plane boat or a plane ship that's what he called it because um it kind of goes in the air and it doesn't need any electricity it, it you know i'm not that person to that level but yeah so i believe all those things are going to come now a lot more things are going to go in the air yeah the technology keeps moving so you know we'll look back to uh, 2022 and go my god we didn't even have drones we hardly used autonomous right, right, <laughs> so. right. it's scary but it's exciting definitely <laughs> yeah yeah and again you we'll figure out the use cases I, I mean i'm excited for the technology and again if it can if it can do, do some good and I, you know i can see it doing a lot of good in the developing world where there are remote areas i mean in the us we're we're spread out here but we have really good systems but i think i think we do half the truckloads every day on the planet are here that's how kind of interconnected we are yeah so i'm going to put a link to your linkedin profile in the show notes and i'll put a link to your website and any other marketing links you give me. Uh, you mentioned Freight Waves. What's your next conference you're going to? I'm going to the November Freight Waves event, actually. That's down in Chattanooga, right? Yeah, that's F3. Yep, in Chattanooga, yep. So we're really excited about that. Future of Freight Festival. Yes. That's nice. I, I'm not committed yet. I've got a whole bunch of weddings I got to go to, so I'm like already traveling. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I might see you there. Well, Brittany, I can't thank you enough for coming to tell your story. You got a very unique story and I congratulations on your success. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.